Wizard of Whiskey presents Swig and Ramble, a podcast for the modern age. Come for the whiskey, stay for the shit show. Featuring Justin Curry at Wizard of Whiskey, Mark Pruitt at Resonant Prose, and Julia Men at The Wee Tipple. And now, pour yourself a drink and enjoy the show. I know you will. All right, welcome back uh, to the show, Ramblers. Uh, for those of you, I'm assuming two, maybe two and a half people still listening to this shit show, uh, welcome. Uh, I'm thrilled uh, to be joined today by the illustrious Ali Ayers. Welcome again to the show. Uh, Distiller extraordinaire, she is going to be uh, co-hosting with me today. How are you doing today, Ali? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back. It's always a pleasure to, to be a part of Swig and Ramble. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Mark's here too. Uh, he decided to jump in, kind of float around a little bit. Uh, he's around. Say, thank, say you for hi, calling, thank you for calling me a floater. Hey, everybody. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so we're going to skip the news. We're going to jump right in today uh, because we we have some very special and amazing guests. Um, I, along with the rest of the Swig and Ramble uh, crew, are pleased to welcome uh, gin experts, uh, Kelly Rivers and David T. Smith. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Um, let's, let's jump right in here, actually. Kelly, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you agreed to come on to the shit show today? Well, I mean, I wasn't really doing anything else. I mean, it was a pretty, like, what a real slow day here in Brooklyn, New York now. Uh, I'm Kelly Rivers. Um, I am currently being paid by the amazing people at Sipsmith Gin to be their advocate, their, their spreader of the gospel of, of quintessential London dry gins here in the United States, but I've also been a gin educator for 18 years, mostly in San Francisco, where I, I hail from, um, where I worked in hospitality for 28 years, trying to get whiskey people to drink gin um, is pretty much what I, I do. Um, and it's it's taken a really long time, but we're, we're still plugging away, little by little, one of these days, right? So I'm really excited to be here and talk about my favorite cocktail, and hopefully after this, yours, the Negroni. Sweet. <laughs> Um, and of course, the always dashing and dapper, uh, David, how are you, sir? <laughs> Justin, thanks for having us. Yeah, uh, David T. Smith there. Uh, I'm a spirits writer, but I specialize in gin. I do some consulting work with different distilleries, um, written a few different books on gin, including Gin Dictionary. But the one that we're talking about today is Negroni, which is great to have Kelly. Uh, we worked together, didn't kill each other whilst we were doing it. To be fair, we are separated by thousands of miles, so that's probably just a good thing, as I am talking to you from the UK. is just gone midnight here, so it's good. So it's a nice uh, way to finish the day, which is pretty fun, I think. Um, and I do a number of different like sort of judgings and write for Gin Magazine and stuff like that. So chatting and writing about booze is basically my thing. Fantastic. Well, I will say, David, it's been a while since I saw you with the non-travel ban, so you might not be dead yet. Yet. <laughs> there is still time. <laughs> okay, now it's time for my favorite part of the segment, which is what sours your mash? All right. Um, so, Justin, would you like to start off with what sours your mash? Sure. I, I was going to do this whole somewhat political rant, uh, but I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to use the term uh, or be upset about the term 
Ginfluencers. And I'd love to know what you guys think of that, uh, since there's three gin spurts on the panel today. Um, uh, ginfluencers, yes or no? I think it's fantastic. And, and an excellent ginfluencer is uh, Bernie Pamplin under the ginfluence. I, love, and I wouldn't I say Bernie. anything else. <laughs> I mean, I've been called worse. So there's that. I mean, I, I, I prefer that to mixologist, which just makes me feel icky inside. I think it's worse than like um, ingenuity or some other gin based kind of sure, sure, sure. influences is not so bad. Okay. All right. Well, then I guess it doesn't really sour my match. If it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother me. So, um, uh, so I'll stick to my old. I'll stick to my old standby, which is people in traffic. Like I, I, I if you listen back to the first twenty something episodes, it's generally me yelling at people to get off my lawn or get off the road. Uh, so that pretty much sours my mash. With so. the with the influencer thing, I always think it's really. Um, uh, at first, when I because I didn't come from a background of hospitality or, or anything in this crazy, amazing, and frustrating world, so um, I thought it was ridiculous at first that it was that actual um, that name, and then it kind of grew on me. And I thought that I'm I'm always down for a good pun, and yeah. So it at first it really annoyed me. Then I just kind of like loosened up, and I was like, you know what, this is actually genius. So I, I think it's really funny now. And um, because a lot of my friends don't come from a hospitality background or uh, alcohol, it's kind of really funny to see their reactions when you just go, yeah, I was like talking to this ginfluencer and they're like, sorry, a what? And I'm like, yeah, a ginfluencer. <laughs> like that actually exists. And it's like, it does. <laughs> I think I'd also say that probably the term ginfluencer is better than the term being a, a wizard of whiskey. Wow. Wow. Unless the wizard comes with a cape and a wand. Right to the heart. I had a hat when I, the persona, by the way, he's mocking me. Um, the persona Wizard of Whiskey was back in 2012. I'm going to defend myself here. Uh, I was running a, a, a booze shop, a wine and booze shop in Chicago. Um, wound up as the GM. I was teaching whiskey church every Sunday. We call it the whiskey church. And this one guy goes, dude, you like a like a wizard, man. So I bought the domain Wizard of Whiskey because I thought it was hilarious. Um, and it became a mini persona uh, going forward, which is why I gave it up to to help uh, or to, to really to launch uh, with with two two close friends, uh, Swig and Ramble. So Wizard is he's around every now and then you can see him in the Comic Con and, you know, other things. But um, just the no, I'm just kidding. Now. I've never been. I've never been to a comic con. Justin, what is his dexterity? What is this wizard of wizards dexterity? What is he rolling? Wizards don't have dexterity as a prime stat. Come on. Whoa. I understand Whoa. that, but I mean, Whoa. if he's got to like talk about it with people, he's got to have a little bit of dexterity. It can't well, be. Justin's charisma is about a seven. All right. I'm assuming you guys are talking about some kind of dice game. I'm not sure. I. Okay, so who else has got a sours my match? What sours your match, Kelly? I, don't, I have no idea what's happening right now. What sours my match? Um, people who don't walk with purpose. Like people who are like, like, I'm, I'm not necessarily, I'm short, so I'm fast for my height, but people who just like stop for no reason and like with phones, it's even worse. But I was, earlier today, I was shopping in a very large store where people like to mill about. And I'm like trying to pass these people and for whatever reason, they decide to like 
turn for no reason. There was nothing to look at. There was nothing to pick up. They just like, there's no shopping carts. They just like turn. And I'm just like, and I did say walk with purpose. I had my headphones in, so I don't know exactly how loud I said it, but I did scare them, which then made them stop and which just pissed me off a little bit more. So I guess that was my fault. But yeah, just walk with purpose, people. Walk with purpose. I like that. It's better I than Get I love out. Kelly. Let's just wrap the show right here. I think that that's perfect. <laughs> Thanks, go. everybody. Um, Good. Great show. <laughs> uh, David, what's hours your match, my friend? Oh, yeah. Um, well, nothing recently, but I, so I'll go back to one of the classic rants, I think is, is where I'll go to. Um, what I would say is the, the thing that takes the jam out of my donuts is when I'm, I go somewhere and I order a pie, you know, like a, as a savory dish. And it's not a pie. It's a casserole with a pastry lid. And that is one of my top rants. I find it quite frustrating. You just have this bland, flaky pastry on the top. And then it's a stew underneath. Um, it's not a pie. Stop calling it pie. It's misleading. And also, to me, the best bit of the pie is that nice sort of soft underbelly of pastry. And you don't get it. With a well, casserole, with a pastry lid. What happens if that pastry at the bottom is a soggy bottom? Like, does that, like, also sour your mash? No, that's fine. I mean, there's usually some sort of gravy so or some such involved. That's what it's for, yeah. So what yeah. you're saying, Smith, is you like a soggy bottom. <laughs> at the, when the moment is right and the company's good. <laughs> walked, walked into that one. Um, so... So, for instance, for dinner tonight, we're actually having chicken pot pie. It's technically a chicken stew, I guess you could call it, with with a pastry on the bottom and, and on the top, because I, I like a lot of pastry. Um, so that would be acceptable, right? Because it's, it's purposefully yeah, and a it's pie. a pot pie. So that's Correct. fair enough. I know okay. I know what I'm getting with that. Okay. So wait, wait, I, I just, I'm trying to get it. So it's a, a pastry at the bottom and a pastry on top, but it's not encased in pastry? Just like a piece on the bottom and a piece at the top. Yeah, I mean, you technically you could. I mean, in theory, you could, but you it would you essentially, if you were to drain out most of the liquid, you could turn that into uh, some kind of pasty or something. So, because um, it is, it's basically chur curry chicken soup. No, oh, you mean a pasty? Um, is that what you're talking about? Yes, pasty. Yeah, pasty pasty. These are onion pasties and not proper pasties. I'll add that in there as well. That really grinds my gears. <laughs> wow, it's. It sours your mask because we don't want to have the trademark police come again, come, coming after us. Nothing grinds our gears here. It, it's it sours it's your the mask. jam out of my donut. Yeah, there, there you go. That's I'm still I'm that. still trying to wrap my head around this pot pie that's not totally encased. Like like you just put a piece of pastry at the bottom, and then a yeah. piece of pastry on the top, but not on the sides. I mean, like, in theory, the you you could, but you're baking it in a dish. So you don't need pastry all around. But then it's still not a pie because a pie is encased in pastry, mm. not just on the top and the bottom, like a hamburger bun. Like that's a not like I am. I am very, very concerned about your, your pot pie dinner. Just the stew in a pastry sandwich. It sounds like what you're concocting there, Justin. I, I'm, I'm fine with a pastry Kelly. sandwich. We've I'm never a, been I'm a sandwich guy. I'm a, dinner. I'm a pastry guy. I'm the next time you guys come, come out. The Tiburon's very close. We'll have you over. I'll make it. You can tell me what you think. Okay. All right. Deal. Deal. Cool. <laughs> Allie, what sour is your mash, dear? Oh, well, 
so many things, but I would have to say for, for the sake of what we're doing here, and I know that the uh, Ramblers can't actually see us, thank goodness for my part, um, but cameras on your laptop that are in the bottom left corner. Who invented that? You had one job and uh, yeah, you're getting all the unflattering angles constantly. So I always have to apologize when I'm on a Zoom with somebody about, and especially when they ask in specific, can you readjust your camera? No, I can't. I cannot. Must <laughs> be an Australian that, thing. Must be the, yeah, I've never, the, I've never heard be of the this. down under thing. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's not flattering. It's not cool. It's not cute. It's not endearing. It's just... It's down under, so it's upside down. It makes total sense to everyone else. Jesus, didn't you lock the Zoom, Justin? What is she doing here? (laughs) Exactly right. So that's what Sour's My Mash is. Inappropriate camera angles fixed in a laptop that have one job, which is just to, I thought it was just to get a a good rap of what what you're looking at, but no, not. It is to make you look like a hideous dragon. Where do you look when? Because that's because that's, that's what the camera is. So you want cool. your. I want to look I'm, like a dragon. <laughs> it, it, it's complicated because I I like as you can see now it looks, I think like I'm looking at you, but um yeah, I I, I don't know <laughs> to I've answer never... that. I don't know. It's, I don't it's an old showbiz it. thing. You're not supposed to look into the camera. Don't break the fourth wall. Yeah. <laughs> so I look over here, over there, everywhere, all the time, and uh, just try not to look at my own square. <laughs> yeah. Mark, how about you? What's ours your mash? Okay, I need to do a little bit of a transformation here. Oh, my! <laughs> oh, man, should, should we? Okay, for those who can't see, but I'm thinking maybe I'll just do a clip of this and share it. So all the Ramblers can see, uh, he has donned some wig accessories. I am Justin. I am Justin right now because the sours my the sours my mash <laughs> is that I am pissed off about post-pandemic traffic. I know we're not post-pandemic, but apparently in the time that we've all been working from home, everybody has forgotten not only how to drive, but how to be courteous, how to obey traffic laws and how to safely get where you're going on the road. So I don't Justin, think Americans knew that in the first place. I am totally channeling you right now. That's why I, I wanted to have the whole visual. Fuck traffic. That's pardon my language. Uh, Justin, when, when did yes. you have a perm? I, that's a good question. I was actually going to ask when I became Tevia from Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Sure. This is actually this is actually a Bob Ross costume, so apologies. Uh, to, no worries. To yeah. Bob Ross. Okay. Um, and so last, I'll, I'll go back to normal now. Okay, sweet. Last but certainly not least, Julia, what sour is your mash? Oh man. Well, I could riff off of Mark as Justin as Tevia, and say it took me an hour and a half to get from Brooklyn to Manhattan. The other day that sucked it should be oh my god that was awful you know what fuck new york traffic uh my sour smash today is my feet hurt why do my feet hurt that's 
This is a sign of me being old, kids. It sucks. All right. That's well. that's, that's all I got. Grandma Julia in the house. Sweet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Where's my cane? My walker. <laughs> so I can shake my cane at those darn kids these days. Them and their new fangled yeet and whatever else they're saying. I'm staying off your lawn. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. You will. And listening to my music at a moderate uh, volume around you. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I, I will call the cops for a noise complaint. <laughs> I like my peace. I like my quiet. <laughs> I'm happy to be drinking. Cheers, everybody. Well, speaking of which, uh, that's, a, that's a great uh, segue into the next one. Uh, a great tradition that we have here on the show, and we love doing this with guests, is we want to know what's in your glass. And uh, David, I know you just, uh, looks like you just finished something, so hopefully, hope you do, you do have more. Oh, yes. What is it, what is in your glass, David? So I have a um, pre-mixed Kingston Negroni, which is, um, it's a 57% Smith & Cross rum, and then red vermouth and Campari, equal parts. It's put in this little metal bottle and um i stuck it in the freezer and it's been in the freezer for about three days and now it's beautifully cold and that high abv of the rum makes it really thick um and when i first poured it i was getting a a, a coating coating uh, when i first poured it i was getting a coating of ice on my glass which was delightful it I find it fascinating i find it fascinating that the the culture of the negroni is so fluid with whatever the active and you know yes it's accepted that it's gin but you don't miss a beat oh i put i put rum in it and it's it's not really anything different or it's not a big deal in fact i think the culture of the negroni is they they accept that they encourage that they they want that to be a part of it i mean if we call everything a martini that comes in the glass we might as well call everything with campari and sweet vermouth in equal proportions a negroni or a negroni variation I think the Negroni has a lot of um, delicious cousins. Cousins, <laughs> <laughs> you might say. Sounds quite <laughs> dreadful. My apologies to everybody. <laughs> we'll cut that part out. Don't worry about it. Oh, we're no, no, definitely not doing that. Glass. It's far too lazy to cut shit out. <laughs> that is true. I like that though, because it's like when you have like multiple people dabbling in, in Negronis, it's almost like a family reunion especially if they all have different variations. There you go. I'm assuming that Kelly has the blood of the people that walk slow in front of her in her glass, but, but I'll, I'll give her the platform to. I don't her. have, I don't have enough money in my like rich savings account to hire a good lawyer that would get me out of jail. If I really wanted to do everything, I have a vivid imagination. So I get to replay it in my head, which for now uh, here in, uh, in Brooklyn, it's okay. But um I have, based on, you know, the last few years, um, decided I was very lazy bartender and I love having a batch Negroni in the fridge. I do pre-dilute it because I like to have more than one and not have to apologize to my mother for making her cry. So um, I basically um, have been super lazy and just put uh, one of my favorite combinations, which might sound very odd, which is a uh, Two thirds batch Negroni topped off with Coca Cola. Oh. We call that New Rivers, Cokey Groni, or something like that. No, what do we call it, Smith? The Negroni Rivers. 
the Negroni Rivers. Yeah, it's a uh, when I go out, I am a little bit a little bit more uh, refined where I have my Coca-Cola on the side. So the bartender doesn't roll his eyes at me or her eyes at me. Um, but I do like um, the bitter sweetness of the cola that actually balances out and brings down some of the, the sweet uh, parts of the Campari and brings out the herbal, na herbal nature of the vermouth. But I really like to have a really strong juniper gin in there just to kind of balance out the backbone. Hmm. Okay, that's where you lost me, juniper gin. I mean, that is what it is. Yes, it like by law should have juniper. Yeah, he's, he's one of those. He's one of that's those unbound hearts yet. He he hasn't been converted yet. Yeah. yeah, that's what this this is all actually just an intervention to get it's, Mark to enjoy and love I, and appreciate gin. So and Mark, I will go. I was gonna say I don't. I, I I guess I should start off. Um, thank you so much for being here. This comes from a place of love. And this is a very safe space. And we really want you to know that your dislike of gin is really hurting us and how it makes us feel every time that you don't drink gin. And I think we need to tell you exactly how we feel about that. Bring it this on. is the, the first ever Swig and Ramble gin intervention. Well, welcome. Welcome to my weekly oh. meeting with HR. Someone had to say it. It was going to be me. We all knew it. Uh, I hope that's the title of this episode. It, it is now. It is now. It is now. For all of you listeners out there, welcome to the intervention. I can't. I can't get Allie to send me samples of her stuff. I. I have bad memories of my childhood of smelling the cheap stuff that was on my parents' shelf. I. I. I intervention is absolutely necessary. And look, I'm not angry at you. I'm just disappointed, and I think you're wrong. <laughs> Nice. It's, a cry, it's a cry for help, Allie. It's a cry for help. I know. We're here for you. You just need to work with us. What, what better marketing story could you have than for me to be the poster child of, look, we, we turned this whiskey drinker into a gin drinker. <laughs> well, I used to do uh, whiskey live shows and I was, um, I, I can relate to Kelly here, I was the person who would have to convert whiskey drinkers to being gin drinkers <laughs> so. how great would it be for my normal video recording this little shelf behind me to have a nice bottle of lightning or or four behind me to to say yeah i, I know those people look it will happen one day if just like dhl needs to open back up in australia fda uh yeah fda laws need to kind of ease up a little bit and uh right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I have derailed the show for my own purposes, obviously. So uh, why don't we get back that's, on that's track? Awesome. I, I think uh, I think we do have a couple of folks left to understand what's in your drink. I think that this is this is fascinating anyway. Uh, Julia, what do you got? Okay, so obviously I was late because I was dashing from somewhere else. So I didn't have time to make a Negroni. So I'm sorry. Um, I'm having a whiskey. And it's delicious, but it's one I've already done a what's in your glass on. So let's move on to someone who's actually drinking something else worthwhile. What was the whiskey? Yeah, I mean, what's the whiskey? I mean, I'm sorry. Of course, I remember because I've listened to every podcast episode beforehand. But um, but, they, but for those that don't remember. By your tone, I'm guessing you haven't, you sly <laughs> son of a gun. Uh, this is the Valpenny Doublewood. It is oh, a whiskey I drink far too quickly it's become a really comfort not daily pour anymore but i just really really love it and after a long 
day and my feet hurt and I just wanted this and yeah. not to Excellent make a cocktail. Choice. I wanted to get here as quickly as possible. So I poured that. What do you think of the rum, the rum cask one? Was that, is that 14, is it 14, something like that? 14 year old? I think, I think it's a 17, yeah. Was it 17? Yeah. yeah. Thoughts on I that? Tried it? Had it yet. I'm oh, sure I would really enjoy it because I know I like Belveni and it's typically... my second only to the double wood. Double wood's my favorite, and then the rum one. So. Yeah, because um, I cool. really typically enjoy when those rich tropical fruits and molasses notes come through. So I'm assuming it's kind of what it tastes like. So I bet I would love it. <laughs> uh, wait, Justin or Allie, who wants to go next? Justin or Allie, you're next. Go ahead, Allie. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I have gone for given the nature of the show today, I have gone for a Negroni. And I got the idea to clarify it by reading the book. We have the, the wonderful authors here today. And to clarify it. So I made my favorite Negroni mix, which is uh, more of an Australian contemporary gin. I use a yuzu vermouth and Australian Amaro, which uses a lot of native to where I'm from, botanicals like strawberry gum, etc., and pepperberry. And I added yuzu juice uh, to, to be the, the kind of citrus to, to break down the protein in the, um, yeah, in the dairy. So I did not have milk and I did not know this at the time. So the only thing I had left was a couple of scrapings of like of Greek yogurt. So I used that and I was like, you know what? It's all about being creative. So let's just do this. So yeah, I, I spent two days clarifying this in yogurt and filtered it yesterday afternoon and it is tasting really good. So thank you guys so much for that little heads up. Next time I'll use milk, but it's not bad with yogurt. <laughs> wow. I'm looking forward to trying it. Sweet. <laughs> That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the best things are. Mm, very true. <laughs> all, right. all right, Bond, what are you sipping over there? Uh, I am sipping a Negroni uh, Blanco uh, Bergamot. So it is um, uh, Sue's uh, liqueur, uh, Dolan uh, Blanc Vermouth um, gin, obviously. Um, I didn't have any Bergamot liqueur at the moment. So I used uh, some Blood Orange liqueur um, and a uh, float of Prosecco. So really enjoying this actually. I since I added the Prosecco on top, because I originally I poured it and it was too much the glass to, to add the Prosecco. So I drank a little down, then added the Prosecco. It turned into something very interesting for me. And I know David, Kelly, and I have all talked about this, that creamsicle effect that I really like. And this just nails it. It's really interesting. Uh so yeah, uh kudos. I, I took it right out of the book uh for the most part, and I'm I'm excited to I, I'm going to finish this and it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun into the podcast. Thanks, Justin. I'm a big fan of adding sparkling wine to stuff. I like a champagne colada. Very nice. Oh, so that's a, <laughs> I would fit into that. So Although hard. we have a cheaper version that we do here at home because having all the ingredients to make a pina colada can be a pain. So we there's a, quite a nice, like ready to drink canned version of a pina colada. So you pop that in and then you chop it up and then you're done and dusted. Nice and quick and easy. Yeah, that's what I'm doing next weekend now. <laughs> isn't, isn't there a bar? Isn't there a bar in London that does a champagne colada? 
oh, there's there's various bars in the UK that do it, but this is the lazy person's version because it's a can of, well, it's a bit of pina colada and then a bit of sparkling wine. But your sparkling wine's not in a can, just the pina colada. No, it's in a bottle. Okay, good. All right. Well, at least you have some standards there. Well, they do have sparkling wines in a, in a can. One of our most popular things is a canned Lambrusco at, uh, at work. It's kind of interesting. How much, so, Kelly? Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta have standards. Uh, I mean, I try not to, um, uh-huh. mostly because I don't want to be disappointed. So if you have no standards and you're always pleasantly surprised. This is what I'm saying. Kelly, it's em- just low embrace it. Embrace it. Just find the anger. Just Feel it. Let it well up within you. I guess because I don't have a car, like I don't get that road rage anger that I used to because, you know, everyone else here is really upset about traffic. But if you're walking really slow in front of me, I'm killing you in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Pedestrian rage. Yeah. Yeah. Totally fair. Well, let's jump right in then. uh, Seven and a half hours into this. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the book. Uh, I've I've read it a few times. Really interesting book. Let's start with Kelly. What inspired this book? Tell us about Negroni. Uh, well, I, I'm going to distill uh, Smith's answer to this about the inspiration of the book. Uh, someone said, would you like to b- write a book about Negronis and we'll pay you? And yeah, there we go. There is the inspiration. Um, well, actually, they didn't say it to me. They said it to Smith. Um, but I, um, I love the Negroni. It is my favorite cocktail of all times. Um, I always make the joke at the insert joke here of I like the rest. I like the Negroni so much. I tattooed on the recipe on my body um, just so everybody would know exactly how I wanted it. Um, But that being said, like, I love the history of it. I love the new involving history that we're just finding out. Um, I think it's one of those cocktails that you can get in 99.9% of the world. And regardless if it's good gin or good or the vermouth has been refrigerated the bartender will pretty much know what it is and it's like it's hard to make a bad one like I've had bad ones but it's really hard to screw up a Negroni it's much easier to screw up other gin cocktails so um it just seems to be a perfect go-to whether you're in a cocktail bar or a dive bar if they have the ingredients it's pretty easy to make a delicious Negroni great David anything to add to that, I, mean, I mean, that's it. Yeah. Um, so it was it's the same publisher that I'd done a book called The Gin Tonica a couple of years ago, which was a recipe book on um, the Spanish style of serving a um, gin tonic. And it was very specific, you know, like when you when you're, you know, if you're ever if anyone ever asks you to write something like this, you've got to be very specific about what you are writing about, because generally you can't write anything that competes with it. So it was like a recipe book on the Spanish style of the gin and tonic. It was very, very specific. Um, so we did that and that was very, it was it was timed right and um, it seemed to be very successful. And so then they were like, oh, do, do you think you could write something on the Negroni? And it happened to be that I think I'd written an article for a magazine maybe six months beforehand that was basically looking at some of these variations. The clarified one was in there and there was like a sort of, might I come Negroni kind of thing going on and so we were like yeah I can do that and I was like and I could do it on my own but you know Kelly and I we've been looking for a project to work together on (laughs) and the timing just worked (laughs) 
and death has not ensued yet. So I think we're, we're going well. Yeah. So and we're, we're, we can't say anything too much about it, but we're hoping to work on another project as well, aren't we, Kelly? But that's all we can say. But you, that's an exclusive. Of- oh, I was going to say, you can't leave us hanging on that. We have to. So we'll yeah, put that aside and we'll talk legally about Legally, I have to, end. but um, it will be Mark, another Embrace cocktail. it. Just embrace it, Mark. Yeah. I, I don't do well with that. Don't play reverse psychology on me. It doesn't work. Really, he really doesn't. We'll we'll have them back on when the next project happens. We'll we'll have them back on for sure. So well, when a... it's when it's it's an when we can announce it, I will tell you first, and you can have it in your news. Oh, section. we have a worldwide exclusive on the. Boom! Network. Look at that. There you go. We're getting this before the BBC, before Reuters, before AP. This is big stuff here, guys. I'm going to upset some people at the BBC. I mean... But for you, Justin, it's fine. As long as we get it before Al Jazeera, I'm good. (laughs) Like that's that's the red line. I'll do my best. I don't even know Uh, if I want to go there. So I have a clarifying question. So Kelly, you said you have the tattoo. You you have the recipe tattooed on you. I do. Would you like to see it? Well, so hold on. This is a PG-rated moment. I I wanted to ask clarifying question: Is the scandal where the tattoo is? Are you kind of flashing something that you shouldn't in a bar? for that purpose or is it i mean only if i want the drink for free i mean that's how it works right you you flash some skin like and you get the drink for free no uh not work for me no no okay well it would totally it would totally work for me yeah no it's uh it's actually just on my arm oh okay ah that's really (laughs) cool (laughs) (laughs) all right so the visual is is it that's clearly this is is a tattoo that looks to be ensconced in the iconic Golden Gate architecture, and it says "equal parts" in a in a smaller font, or "die" in a huge font. Much so, it's very very directive, very very appropriate as far as how you like to have it. it yeah, it really does fit my my demanding nature of how I want my Negroni uh, to be done. Um, basically, as a bartender in San Francisco for 18 years prior to moving to New York four years ago, very, everybody knew my very impregnant, like very stance on how a Negroni should be. Like, and there, luckily for me, being a gin lover, there are other 12 other drinks, classic gin cocktails that are in equal proportions. So people would always ask me like, well, how do you like your Negroni? I'm like, equal parts. Yeah, but like, what if you used a really citrus driven uh, gin, equal parts? What if you use like dry vermouth, equal parts? Like they just try to goat me into figuring out something different. I'm like, look, a non-equal part cocktail that looks like a Negroni might be delicious, but a Negroni, it is not. So um, that's kind of how it was. And then when I left to, to move to New York, a few of our bar, the bartenders in the industry, we all got together and got different variations of the tattoo in, you know, in solidarity. And mine just had the Golden Gate Bridge because I was leaving California. I, I could, we could do an entire show because I'm totally fascinated with the fact that you moved from San Francisco to New York. Usually it's the other way around. People want to get out of New York and get somewhere different, but that's a completely different subject. Well, I mean, I also um, I, wear sunscreen, so I guess I was just kind of going along with the song. <laughs> the, I, in my research of this and sort of getting my arms around what's happening, I, I happened across an article that said, what, you know, listing the most overrated cocktails. And the first one on the list was the Negroni. And exactly what it is that you stated, when it's made with equal parts, it drowns out 
the gin. And that's why this person felt as though it was an overrated cocktail because the parts should not be equal in their eyes. Click bite. This is, yeah. Uh, it worked because I yeah. clicked it. Oh, yeah. So yeah, here we yeah. are. We're not giving them any airtime as to who it was, but because right. I don't want to, uh, I don't want them to meet a slow walker's death. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and we also covered people who write bullshit on several episodes back. Um, we, we tackled, which devolved into me complaining about super yachts and 30,000 other watches um, as it was always going to. Um, so, yeah. Um, I'm curious, what did you both learn writing this book? Was there anything new to it? I learned it was easier to actually create cocktails in milliliters and then put it in ounces, then go from ounces to milliliters. Care to elaborate on that? Um, well, because the, the publisher is is in the UK, the, the book, uh, Smith's first book, Gentonica, was all in milliliters. And when we got together to talk about how we were going to do this book, my only... Uh, qualm well one of my only qualms is that it also had to have ounces because the u.s consumer regardless of how much we try to get them to understand milliliters just doesn't and so um i had since it was my like hill to die on i was the one that had to do the calculations so i spent more time trying to figure out the best way to do 1.18 ounces and like try to, to move from there. So it was easier to start in milliliters and try to move it to ounces than find an ounce recipe and move it to milliliters because it just didn't work. That's a, it is, um, it is an interesting point when you're trying to write for a global audience and there are different systems and I totally get that. I mean, I'm quite a fan of writing if I can, it doesn't work in this case in parts because I that's generally more how I would think about it because Maybe sometimes I don't have a proper measure. Maybe I'm using an egg cup or something like that. Um, but I like I kind of think about it like that um, because sometimes you'll see a recipe and it will have, someone will have just done a straight conversion between one or the other and you're like 22.5 milliliters, it's not going to work or whatever ridiculous it might be in ounces. And I think that was something that we definitely, it was one of the great advantages of having you know, two people that knew two different, um, you know, marketplaces, you could have that and you could end up with a cocktail that actually does make sense in both. And I think that's probably also true with reference to some of the ingredients as well. I mean, in the book, we do talk about very specific, you know, certain gins just because they were ones that we thought worked particularly well. But, you know, you could use a straightforward, you know, a Tanqueray or whatever the gin might be something that's very available and it's also designed so that it will work well with any of those gins as well I mean that's kind of what it's for but we did find there are a few ingredients where we were like well we can't you, you know you can't get it in the US or you can't get this in the UK and you had to kind of think about that but I think that's quite that's quite good and it didn't mean that we wouldn't necessarily include some of those ingredients so like the the calisaya in like one of the very you know early recipes um but it was, um, sorry, I was distracted by a cat. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Batman has a lot to say about his love of Neroni too. No. Um, but we came, up with, we came up with alternatives so that it would work for both audiences. Um, and I think it's, I mean, I'm biased, but I, th I think it's a better book for that. And I think it's, it, it's definitely 
um, you know, less insular. It's more global because of that, which I think, which I thank Kelly greatly for to help have that there. But. Um, I'm in looking at this and, and for the uninitiated, right? Look, I, you know, I know we're kind of joking around about it, but it's kind of true. Um, I'm really sort of a stranger in this space and I found it fascinating to do the research. And one of the things that I came across in several places is they describe the taste of the Negroni as an acquired taste and, and you should give it three tries, um, What's your take on that? I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that because I, I saw that repeatedly in looking at research about this. I think three is probably not enough, I would say, probably. <laughs> um, I, I will say this. Uh, when I first started getting into gin and started writing about it, which was uh, 10, 12 years ago, something like that, I wasn't very good at writing tasting notes of gin on its own. Just to be totally honest. And so I would taste it with lots of different drinks because I was like oh I think like that's kind of interesting how does it work in a gin tonic how does it work in a martini and I didn't have the Negroni because I didn't like the taste of Campari and I only got to the like the taste of Campari when we did a big tasting it was 10 years because I was looking up when it was 10 years ago um of about 18 different vermouths there wasn't a lot of vermouth in the UK at, the, at that time and they were all red vermouths and I thought well okay we can taste them on their own but how do they mix so there's two cocktails I thought really one is the Manhattan. So I had 18 tiny Manhattans to write tasting notes on and how the vermouth changed it. And the other was the Negroni. I was like, I have to do this. And after having um, 18 very small Negronis, they were about 15 mil at a time. It was like five mil, five mil, five mil. Um, they, so what's that? Half an ounce, roughly, right? Half an ounce Negronis. I up the taste to liking a Negroni and then I was and then I was there. Did you have them directly after the 18 Manhattans? Because I think that might affect the palate. It was the day after. Okay and then was this where you got your your uh, mixing oh wait no you were tasting different vermouths okay because Smith has an amazing hack for those who don't want to have an entire Negroni um pre-batched in your fridge he just batches the campari and the sweet vermouth together and so he can try different gins without having to measure everything out which i think is brilliant um, if you're you're tasting the negroni and a lot of different ones i think the thing about the negroni and it being acquired taste is a lot like for people like yourself unfortunately mark who don't necessarily like gin because they had those bad experiences when they were younger which i like to say gin has grown up Hopefully your palate has two. So maybe you should just give it another try. I mean, hope, I didn't say Mark we're talking about. Yeah. I said hopefully. I put that in there in quotes too, a little bunny. But I think with the explosion of gins available and all the different types, and not only gins, but the explosion of vermouths and like local vermouths and bigger vermouths, I think the idea of it being an overly bitter acquired taste is actually not necessarily true anymore because we have interesting ingredients out there. We have bartenders who actually care that know that there is a shelf life for vermouth. Um, there's different types of bitters out there, like uh, digestible bitters that you can make drinks with. Um, so if you don't like, let's say the classic for some reason, you know, you just haven't met the right vermouth campari gin concoction can't blame the cocktail we'll just in blame parts of their ingredients we do have an way, introductory 
Negroni in the book, though, don't we, Kelly? I can't remember yeah, off the top of my head what's in it, but oh. to, to, to deal with this very issue, something that would gently ease you into it. Although for someone like you, Mike, it might be worth trying, as you probably have already anyway, something like an old pal or a boulevardier, which is a bourbon or a rye-based one, and so that's a different way of enjoying those flavours. You just got to stick your foot in the pool, and we promise not to push it in. At, least hey, at this point, I'm a bull in the china shop. Let's, let's go. I, I'm... I'm jumping full force into this. You guys played right into my trap, and and uh, Ali, I'm going to serve you up a meatball here. Uh, all of you, all of you, really, because I think something that's fascinating is we're really at the beginning, or we're at sort of a very critical stage from a momentum perspective of you know an oncoming renaissance with gin. Gin is changing, as you say. Gin has kind of grown up, and you know, I, I think we're very fortunate to kind of have uh, a face in that parade, a face in that change, somebody who's driving a, a lot of great innovation in that space, world-class, well-regarded and awarded gins. In the, if you only knew, had a friend, somebody who did stuff like that. Ali, how, has, how are you changing gin, you know? And what's your, what's your take on how this, affects the flavor or impacts the flavor for something that goes into a Negron? Well, when I go into, so I'm a big fan of training people from absolute scratch because that's where I came from. So um, one of the first things that I actually um, start training people in, so like we've recently taken on a, a brand ambassador and they're not from the bar world or anything like that, but um, they're really excited and really into all of this. So what I do and, and with my staff as well um, is I, I break down like the first thing that I do is introduce them to Negroni because it's something that is really complex and there are, there are so many variations and there are so many ways it can go. And so where we are at the moment is um, you've got a lot of, different profile gins come out. So a lot more of like your new world and contemporary that come in. And you also have a lot of people experimenting with uh, variations of Campari and Amaro and stuff like that. So it's it's a really exciting cocktail to introduce to people and, and finding that little combination and just making them like, as Kelly touched on before, is um, just finding that right combination, but also purposely, like I purposely, because it's, it's not fun. You have to be trained. So just throwing in something that is not so it's not going to balance in the mix so that they can understand why. And Negroni is the absolute perfect profile for that. And I love the fact that like here in Australia, Negroni is such a big celebrated cocktail. So it's, um, it's when you go to one bar and you're like, can I please have a Negroni? it's not going to be the same as if you go to another bar, even though it is like equal parts, it's the ingredients you use. And it's also the gin you use, the Amaro that you use, the vermouth you use. So that's uh, a very, like that's where something so simple becomes something so uh, has a lot of depth and a lot of things to explore. And that's why I really, really, really loved this book in particular, because it had so many variations of it and somewhere in there there is going to be the right combination for you whether you're a beginner or someone 
a little bit more advanced or if you don't have milk and you use yogurt. Um, yeah, that kind of style. So that's, I hope that answered your question. I forgot it halfway through, so. No, I, I think I just, I, I wanted to put out there that, you know, yeah, the stodgy old definition that I sort of have and hold from the perspective of gin has radically changed and it's changing very rapidly. And as a whiskey drinker, quite frankly, I'm thinking that it's a great thing if a whole hell of a lot of people get interested in gin because maybe whiskey prices will come down. Uh, but that's an ulterior motive. Don't, just don't, don't quote me on that one. We'll cut that out of the show, right? Um, <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't typically edit. That seems like a lot of work for me. <laughs> um, oh. I think you make a good point, though, about like those variations within the, 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 you know, the styles of gin. And there's actually, as someone that's written, I don't know as much as I used to, but that's written, I don't know, 400-odd reviews of gin where I've tasted it with lots of cocktails. It's interesting that the one that I very rarely struggle to find something to write about is the Negroni. And you <laughs> think with those really strong flavours with the Campari and the Vermouth, you could be inclined to think, oh, it doesn't really matter what the gin is because it will overpower it. But actually, there's something about that combination that actually you really can almost always you can find something to write about the Negroni with any particular gin. Like gin and tonic, you might struggle. Even a martini sometimes on its own, fair enough. But like with a Negroni, there's usually something. There's something interesting and exciting to be said about it. And I think like that's pretty cool as well. I think that's one of the, the dynamic thing about gin in general is here you have this cocktail, very simple, three ingredients, equal parts, but the cocktail is better than the sum of its parts. And you think that it would maybe get lost under these other aggressive drink, other aggressive ingredients, but it's not the case. It actually showcases why gin is the cocktail for all spirit or the spirit for all cocktails because it marries, carries and elevates the ingredients that it is. The, the citrus notes balances out some of the sweetness and the bitterness of the Campari. The herbal notes of the gin really play up the herbalness of the sweet vermouth. You know, you have the floral notes that kind of like draw in with the bitter qualities of the, of the, the Italian bitter. So it really does showcase why gin is so dynamic, why it's so expressive as, a, as a, an ingredient for cocktail making. There's that famous quote by Orson Welles that everybody refers to where he says, the bitters are excellent for your liver. The gin is bad for you, but there's a balance, right? And he wasn't right about gin being bad for you, I guess, per se. But uh, a lot of people kind of talk about, you know, the balance being achieved in that fashion. Yeah. I'm having a quiet moment. I'll just. Is, is that a, uh, oh, is that is... the soda? Oh. That was oh. very, that was very sophisticated. I. David, you and I need to have a conversation uh, off to the side. I, you and I just need to strategize getting up under Justin's skin and, you know, future, future endeavors that I can make you aware of when. Oh, sounds fantastic. I see I've gone blurry, but it sounds fantastic. We, oh, we've got another one here. That's, I, I actually have the same soda siphon. Very good soda siphon. It's really good. Um, yeah, Kelly is quite the, uh, I've I tell you this, I've tried to, having a soda siphon so many times um and i just never always kept giving up and then kelly inspired me to get back into it and finally we're there i've got about 12 soda siphons in the house trying to get one to work um but we're there finally and so there we are with my soda siphon jubilee okay. one as well so there we go beautiful, beautiful. sorry 
I just want to say that I'm both impressed and intimidated by the selection behind Kelly. I, that's oh, that's that's like that's just a bit of it. I'm now I'm now I'm very jealous of everything it, that you've got going on there. It just keeps going. Oh my God! It just keeps going. Wow. My flatmate is um, out of town, so I got to take the gin off the shelves, dust it, and then I spent three days organized just the Americans. So they're now organized by state. Nice. And that's, that's more all, organized that's than all mine. Gin? That's all gin? <laughs> yeah, it's all gin. Wow. That's just I want to come to awesome. airplane. Yeah. Really Party I'm in bed Where are you, Julia? I'm in Connecticut, but I was visiting friends that live in Brighton Beach. So well, whenever you, you're back in town, you're more than welcome. I will open pretty much anything except for like four bottles because they're not good. They're just oh. vintage gin that doesn't taste good. So there's Definitely no give Julia those for sure. There we go. Swig and Ramble bringing people together <laughs> through well, alcohol. That's what we do here. What have you got there, Justin? What's that? What's that you got there? Is that the same Negroni? It's the same it? Negroni, yeah, the Bergamot. Oh, nursing that, yeah. aren't you? That's really, yeah, it's really, I, I'm, I'm a nurser. You know this. You've, <laughs> you've dined with me and drank with me many times. I'm Ooh. not a, uh, it's funny, I, trying to explain to people what I do, it's, it's a, always a funny question. Oh, so you drink for a living? I'm like, yes, I do. But also, I open a bottle and it's 87% full for its entire life. Uh, because I'm never going to kill a bottle uh, unless I'm sending out samples. So yeah, it's it's a struggle. As somebody who has put together many episodes with Justin and with us being friends and all, uh, normally what he does is he drinks an IPA and eats fucking Cheetos. So for him to have the little James Bond martini glass and have <laughs> whatever fucking going- made up drink he's having, I was going to have some cheeses. We were going to discuss Negronis and, and, and processed cheese crackers. That I feel like should be a next episode. So just oh. so you know, it's not technically cheese. It's cheese, it's cheese food product. Yes. Cheese food so, product. Yeah. Which, which will be the title of, I'm assuming, a January episode. Let's let everybody get through the holidays. Let's mm-hmm. let's have you guys both back um, on. We're gonna I would talk. like to be on that because I you're, you're am I'm a lover of cheese food products. Like when those nachos come by and I'm like, I'm like, is that real cheese? And the waiter, waitress person will always be very, yes, it's only real cheese. I'm like, I don't want it if it's real cheese. I want like pump cheese. Yeah, exactly. I I don't want my cheese dip to be some fancy. No, no, no. I want it to come in a can like American. You know, that's the whole point. It's the reason I don't like pizza. Because I don't like melted cheese. I, that I have no, I have that we can't, we're not going to get into today. Oh, like, <laughs> that's, my brain is spinning. Yeah, that's a whole, there. that's a we're whole other thing. A serious fight just looking at everybody's reaction. We should have okay. ended this five <laughs> minutes ago. So, yeah, here we go. so here I'm setting up the next, yeah, I'm setting up the next episode. Go ahead, Kelly. Pizza when it's right out of the oven, right? And especially with like that high moisture, I think there's even plastic in it, mozzarella. It's like the $2.50 slice, whatever fresh out of the oven it's delicious right it's like that right that temperature but as it gets to room temperature that cheese turns into plastic and is an entirely awful texture right 
So that's why I like cheese food products. It's the same consistency. It's why I like fondue because it's heat and it never gets to that weird plasticky texture. It's texture. Oh, it's fun to do. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so, um, but yeah, don't like melted cheese. Actually, I like melted cheese. I just don't like re-solidified pre-melted, post-melted cheese. Oh, okay. wow. That's wow. getting all sorts of complicated. That's deep. And, and now we have the uh, title for the next episode. Let's <laughs> land this thing. We're going to have both Kelly and David back. We're going to talk about some of the, I don't know if it's controversial, but I definitely want to talk about some of the Ooh, new Perry. things that are happening with the Negroni, uh, given that it's technically Italy's favorite, you know, famous cocktail, but it doesn't seem like that's the case anymore. Stay tuned for the cliffhanger. We're going to hit this up next time, along with processed cheese food product. <laughs> Let's land this thing. Oh, man. Well, thank you, all of you fabulous, fabulous ramblers for tuning in to another fabulous shit show, sticking with us through however many episodes we've done at this point. We appreciate you. Uh, be sure to join our Facebook group if you haven't already. That's where shit really goes down. And we have a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, you can also find Swig and Ramble on social media, such as the Instagram and the Twitters and the whole TikTok. And uh, you can find Karu Distillery and Fabulous Alley on Instagram at Karu underscore distillery and on Facebook at Karu Distillery. You can also follow Kelly Rivers at All of the Drinks and David Smith at Summer Fruit Cup. Mark, anything you got to add to this? I want everybody to join us next time as we discuss those assholes who only want cosmos. It's not the year 2000 anymore, people. Those motherfuckers. Cheers. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Follow us at Swig and Ramble on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for more fermented fuckery. Cheers.